Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from Craig Ansell and the Career Growth Made Easy podcast staff. Thank you so much for being a valued listener over the years. We can't believe it, but we're celebrating more than four years of success with the Career Growth Made Easy show and Craig Ansell LLC coaching and speaking events, both publicly and privately. As we celebrate the holiday season, I thought I would do something different this year. Why don't we put together a mashup of a number of different shows to just kind of go back and look over the times and see how we've learned to improve our communication styles and bring more value when we speak, both publicly and privately. I hope you enjoy today's selection. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I'll see you next week. I was an engineer and in 2008 lost my job due to the economic collapse. Jobs were scarce. I didn't know where to turn to get help updating my resume. Online services and coaches charge hundreds, even thousands of dollars. I took matters into my own hands and learned how to craft interview-winning resumes. Shortly later, I landed a job with a Fortune 500 company. I have helped many achieve similar success. Now I share my tips to create interview-winning resumes, interviewing excellence, and high-performance growth strategies on my podcast, Career Growth Made Easy. You may have heard of the 80-20 rule. It might be called the Pareto Principle. It means 80% of the results come from 20% of your effort or activities. Do you sometimes feel that you work so hard yet achieve so little? When you recognize how emotional intelligence plays a key role in your life, you too can truly achieve great results. Welcome back to the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Craig Ansell, and we're celebrating with episode 40 today, Becoming Aware of Your Emotional Intelligence. We can all too often learn from others and pick up habits. Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. We have to be careful with the groups and networks that we uh, have around us because it can be very impactful on our lives. There's an old saying, and it is, you become the product of your environment. Meaning, if you're in a happy, productive environment, you'll likely find yourself having the same feelings and performance levels. However, as our environments change and potentially become negative, they can pull us down. Now, maybe they didn't start out that way, but over time, they can pull us into a downward spiral, especially as complaints become more frequent and compliments less. This can result in us having a negative view on things and an overall negative view on life. As we go into the new year, albeit a challenging year with our second wave of COVID, you might want to put your emotional intelligence radar on and do a self-check. What types of networks, friend groups, and coworkers do you routinely hang out with? Another way to look at things, after you've been with someone for quite some time, how do you feel afterwards? 
Do you generally feel pumped up, energetic, and even recharged? Or do you feel kind of worn out and worn down, from potentially from the conversation or maybe the tone in the conversation? We don't recognize that there's so many different emotional intelligence cues that take place that they affect us on a regular basis. To become aware of your emotional intelligence, I'd suggest it's a three-step process. One, to have the capability to recognize your own emotions and those of others. Two, to categorize the different feelings. And three, process that information to transform your thinking and behavior. The result? You'll become someone adaptable in different social environments. To start with, on step one, we have to realize that our brain has two main components, an emotional side and a logical side. All too often, we drift from the logical side and into the emotional side or emotional state, and that's when feelings of fear, anxiety, and stress can take over and kind of sabotage us. For those of you familiar with sales and marketing, the idea is to give people a good amount of information, the benefits, the values of a product, but combine it with emotional content so that people have feelings about the product, generally driven to a high energy level, a euphoric level, so that they can make the purchase. You know, what's funny, that reminds me of something. I'm not a realtor, but a friend of ours shared this with us, that years ago, the realty um, industry was experiencing a lot of um, re- a lot of returns or canceled um, contracts within the first 24 or 48 hours after the large purchase of a home. What they determined after doing some research was that this was called buyer's remorse. They got so emotionally excited, almost hijacked by the fact that they're buying this new, beautiful home, that they didn't see the expensive price tag that came with the home. Within 24 to 48 hours, their emotions settled down and they realized something's going on here. We might have bitten off more than we can chew. And as an result, some people went back to the realtors and actually canceled their contracts or certainly put a strong effort in to attempt to cancel the contract. Now, what realtors do in some cases is explain the fact that after the purchase of a home, it's natural to feel this way and it's part of the normal human cycle. So don't worry if you feel this way because you're making a good solid choice, a good solid investment by purchasing a home. If you've liked what you heard, go back to episode 40 and tune into Becoming Aware of Your Emotional Intelligence. You'll grab the last two steps in learning how to adapt. You know, now more than ever, communication is critical. It's key to our success. Not only do we lack the one-on-one in-person communication because of COVID, the pandemic, but we also now have virtual meetings and a lot more cell phone discussions because we're social distancing. That's why communication is critical, good communication, in fact, great communication to be successful. There's an old saying, we have two ears and one mouth. So it's better to listen more and talk less. And I mean, when you're talking, be respectful and have intentional listening, intentional focus. It doesn't matter if it's spoken, in person, virtually, or even in writing, such as email, formal letters, or even when you write your resume or cover letter. You must be intentional with the words that you use. 
Getting back to conversations, we hear about multitasking, but I wonder, is it effective? It's possible we've become comfortable, maybe complacent with the concept of multitasking. My concern is that it removes us from being present. And what do I mean by that? We're existing in space and time, in that physical place, but our minds could be elsewhere. When we multitask, for example, we leave a lot of open-ended stories or open-ended tasks in our mind. We don't actually thrive that way. I don't know if you knew this, but it's actually best to close each and every story loop in your head, to close each and every topic so that we can cleanly move on, cleanly and clearly move on, and move forward to our next task, our next duty, our next obligation or appointment. Here's an example. Have you ever watched a movie, read a book, or maybe listened to a podcast, then got interrupted and didn't have time to finish? If you're like me, you probably have started thinking about the conclusion of that movie scene, that book chapter closing, or podcast. Then, at random times during the day, thought about it, and possibly even at night, dreamt about it. All along the way, you might have felt a nagging question. How is this situation, that scene, or that issue going to get resolved? My point, not to dive too deeply into multitasking here, but we can rather easily become distracted, and that can even lead to overwhelm. Maybe I'll do a future episode about that if there's interest. Can you let me know? Pop out on social media. My handle is at Craig Ansel, that's C-R-A-I-G-A-N-C-E-L, and you can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. About our podcast focus, the title, Don't Just Exist, Be Present. I've got a question for you. Think back to your most recent conversation that you had. It could be in person, by phone, or even virtually. Do you remember any specific thing that the other person brought up that jogged a memory of yours? If you do, I'll bet you shared that memory connection back with them. You might have elaborated on one of their stories, how it linked up or connected with something of your past. While there's nothing wrong with that, it doesn't really help with being present. It fits more along the lines of existing. If you're up for a little challenge in the new year, join me and we can chat on your achievements via social media, as I mentioned earlier, at Craig Ansel on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to hit me privately by email, it's Craig at CraigAnsel.com. Okay, here's the deal. Starting with your next conversation that you have, try this out. After the greeting and you begin talking, listen to the speaker, and I mean truly listen. Resist the urge to interrupt them, to respond immediately, or to tell your story. While they talk, truly digest what they're saying. Not only listen to their words, but absorb the energy the emotion, and any inflections. Does their voice cadence, pitch, or volume change at any point? Then wait for a natural pause in their speaking and inquire more about a specific point or area of the discussion topic. I'll bet you'll get to know the other person a lot better and also realize they have a lot to say. And that episode was number 37, 
Don't just exist, be present. If you're interested in more of what you've heard, go back and finish the rest of that show. It's kind of crazy. That's nearly three years ago when I recorded it. I hope you've enjoyed a sample. For our 51st episode, I'm pulling out one of my favorite tips. It's called the three P's. It stands for powerfully placed pauses. It's most valuable to use with verbal communication, but it can be modified to work in written form as well, meaning texting and email. During my high school years, I grew up in New Jersey. I have a mixed background when it comes to music taste. Besides being exposed to rock and metal, rap music was pretty big growing up too. I know I'm dating myself, but I strongly remember Run DMC, for example. Most of their stuff was pretty clean and harmless. I think, like many artists, they took situations, likely from their own experiences, and turned them into songs. In a way, I do that, but with podcasts. When I find myself in situations coaching or being coached and believe the information can help others, I put it out in the form of podcasts, emails, and social media. Back to rap music and specifically back to Run DMC. One of their tracks was titled, You Talk Too Much. And one of the later verses goes a little something like this. You talk too much. 25 hours, 8 days a week, 13 months out of the year you speak. My point, we love to talk. It's a gift. It's a gift to be able to communicate. But I jokingly say it can be a curse also. Maybe you know someone that when you see them or hear their name come up, you think to yourself, they never stop talking. For starters, it's natural for us during conversations to want to engage. Just as soon as someone strikes a chord of interest with us, that it's a familiar topic to us, we typically engage or have the urge to respond, and quickly too. Have you ever noticed that? If you're going to master my 3P rule, we need to dig into why we feel this way, this seemingly overwhelming need to interrupt the other person, if not the need to respond to them just as soon as we hear a topic of interest. It all goes back to our brains and how they function. Our brains function just like computer programs that run in the background. It might be easiest to explain if we use the concept of virus scanning or virus protection software. As you likely know, it's a program that runs in the background continually monitoring and evaluating for threats of a virus or infection. If the software detects a concern, it will either immediately notify you with a warning or perhaps block that suspicious activity. At least we hope it does and we hope it protects us. Our brains work in a very similar way. We're always taking in a vast array of information from our five senses. The visual probably being the most active, followed by audio. Our brains are constantly processing this information to scan for the form of threats and also previous information or experiences to tie content together. If it detects a threat, you'll likely end up in one of two situations, fight or flight mode. A simple way to explain this is to go back to our days growing up and being around the kitchen. Your parents likely told you, the stove is hot, don't touch. But maybe one day you got curious and touched it. 
If you got burned or nearly burned, you might have heard, did you learn your lesson? So now, your experience with the stove being hot is tied to your fight or flight mechanism. If you sense heat from the stove, you'll likely back away or at least withdraw your hand because you don't want to get burned again. But did you notice, the second time was instinctual. Your brain did its part. You didn't need to be told again. You likely weren't as inquisitive as you were with your first experience, which may or may not have ended up with you getting burned or nearly burned. To clarify my point, from a single experience, in this case a hot stove, you now know how to react and react automatically. This ties back to conversations. As our brains scan information coming in, such as with conversations, as soon as it ties to one of our experiences or memories, we may feel the strong urge to share. Sometimes we might interrupt someone, jump into a conversation that we weren't directly involved in, or maybe you started a conversation because of something you became aware of. I shared a couple of stories to make it easier to get my point across. As human beings, we've been wired this way, so to speak, for hundreds, even thousands of years. Listening to an awesome podcast like this one about Craig's three Ps, powerfully placed pauses, won't change your programming overnight. But you can become aware of our inherent behavior and work to change it. That's the good news. For starters, in your next conversation, try not to interrupt the other person. Even if they take a deep breath or a pause, let them talk until they're finished with their thought. They may ask what your feedback was or if you had any similar experiences. At first, it'll feel a little funny to let the other person talk to what some might feel is an eternity. It might even feel awkward, but I promise you, you can get used to it. Then you'll want to work on remembering at least one key point of their conversation so you can tie back into. In fact, this is what some coaches do and do well. If you know anyone that you've purposely thought that they listened really well, this is how they did it. And maybe you could thank the three Ps for that. You may have noticed that several of these shows had the keyword silence listed in it, and sometimes I spoke about it multiple times. Silence can be powerful, much like I mentioned the powerfully placed pauses rule that I use. But silence also can hurt you and your reputation if it's not used properly. I think we should close with the final show, episode 123, Are You a Silent Superstar? Let's tune in to find out. Over the years, I've started to notice that both friends and coworkers have fallen into this approach. I'd speak my thoughts or my concerns, and they'd offer a one or two word response, right, I know, too bad, or me too. Then they'd talk about their same or similar situation and go on for quite some time. While part of that conversation is natural, if it happens once or twice, that's okay. But there are a few folks I've noticed over the years that when I bring up a topic, they seem intentional, they seem to be listening, but then immediately after, they tell their story. And not only do they tell their story when I'm done speaking, the next time they pause, and I have a chance to talk with them about maybe something further in the discussion or a different topic, the same thing happened again. 
Then later on in that same conversation, there was a pause. I discussed with them some points, what I heard from them, and you know maybe how I could help or um, how the situation resolved. And I brought up a different concept or different topic to further the conversation along. What did I find there? Those same people then went on to tell stories similar to what I did. It's not that they're bad people, and it's not that we've become super career growth made easy podcast fans and that we're better than everybody else. It's that it's completely natural. The human mind, the human brain, likes to connect pieces from your past to your present so that can draw conclusions, kind of fit in, and it likes to use the least energy possible to do so. So think of it as a supercomputer. It's always processing information it's receiving from your five senses. It's hyper-processing all your visual information and your, your audio information. Your ears are always on, whether you know it or not. That's why we can react to certain sounds, certain sights so quickly, because the brain's always processing that information. As a side note, that's how our fight or flight reflex comes into play. When a, certain, when a certain situation comes up and we're not certain how to handle it, we may react in a fight or flight situation, right? We're either going to defend our fort, defend our area, protect our ground, or, oh, there's a fire alarm going off. I've got nothing to defend or protect here. I'm heading out the emergency. So again, it's not a bad thing. But what I've found is with some coaching and with some training for those that are interested, and I hope you are and you'll stick with me, you can try this new approach letting the other person speak. At first, it seems a little bit unnatural and a little bit lengthy, like, wow, I usually respond right there. But the way you can overcome this is to listen to them speaking and process that information. If there becomes what seems like a really lengthy pause, an unnatural pause, this is just more than the person taking a breath or clearing their throats. It's a good time for you to interject and respond. But again, without responding with a similar story matching theirs, which is natural again, you might want to pick a few points that you want to touch on and say, hey, I noticed that you talked about this. How did that go with that situation? Or how did you resolve this? And you can also say, could you tell me more about that? I'm truly interested. I think I might be able to offer you some advice or help if you're interested. And I think that's how we can really enrich and deepen conversations with people and uh, deepen our experiences as well as our relationships. I think all too often we exist, but we are not present. And this can help us moving forward. As I said, you can use this in person if you have the opportunity, or it can be done by phone or even virtually. Now, one-on-one is obviously best because you have a focused, you have a... um Uh, limited audience. But if you do have crowd settings or team settings, it still works because you have to learn how to process the information from each person that you're working with. And you may need to follow up. So this gives you a really good time just to tune in, focus, and clearly and crisply listen to what they are saying. Again, a big part of our communication is not just the words we're using, but it's our body language, if you can you know, have time to see them, if it's a visual situation, but also the way they speak, their word choice, their cadence or speed of talking, and also any inflections to certain words indicating potential emotional connections, and also volume. Volume is a key driver in showing what is important to people or what has potentially caused pain or is a concerning point, right? 
I didn't initially recognize these um, key key points and key indicators in the past, and I probably, for most of my life, actually, was one of those people that heard one story, connected it, and responded with the same or similar story. And that's good, and we got along. So, we, you know, a lot of people say, we have a lot in common, or when I work with so-and-so, I just really feel like we hit it off. Nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. However, if you're looking to grow personally and professionally, this can be a way for you to start doing that. So let's go over that again. During your next conversation, regardless if that is with a family member, a friend, or it's a you know colleague or what have you, maybe you're uh, you know out out and about and you're shopping, for example, you can even do this with store help. You can do this with store clerks. It doesn't really matter. Even customer service people that you're reaching out to, they're really not used to having someone take the time to pause just for a few extra seconds, listen to them, and enjoy the conversation and kind of connect. So, for your next conversation. After the nat- after the uh, original greeting and the conversation begins and it's someone else's turn to speak, allow them to speak and digest while they're talking. Listen for one, maybe two key points at first that, again, seem to be uh, pain points or sore spots for them or areas of focus. And how do you identify those? By listening to a change in their rhythm, their speech pattern, special word choice. And maybe if they uh, emphasize the word or their volume level changes for a certain part of the sentence, you could explore more. So it's good when you respond to identify those key traits. And I've gone so far as to uh, offer that coaching and training to others and said that, you know what, I really feel like you're a good listener and that you've heard my concerns and address them. I've used the same approach with customers for years, both internal and external customers. By the way, talking about customers, most of us think that we only have one customer. It's the end paying customer. And I'll tell you right now, that's shallow thinking. While they may pay the bills, and that's what many of us have when we have businesses, right? And we look for the cash register, right? The bell to ring and to uh, get that invoice paid. That's shallow thinking. Everyone we work with and work for is our customer. That means we have upstream and downstream customers. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a customer service episode I did that might help you out grow and blossom this year, both with regards to your personal and your professional growth. Now, in closing this, uh, in closing today's podcast episode, don't just exist, be present. I started at the beginning of the episode, and while it was about in-person conversation as well as uh, virtual and writing, one of the things I touched on was resumes, and I might have mentioned cover letters. It's really Hey, it's Craig. I'm back. I just wanted to thank you for staying in for a little bit of our mashup this year while we celebrate Christmas and the holiday seasons. Thank you for being a valuable listener to the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. We can almost see episode 200 around the corner. We hope you stay with us and subscribe so we can celebrate together. I hope you've enjoyed this little mix-up and mashup of shows over the years, and we're always open for your feedback, criticism, and comments. Please leave a review or comments on your favorite player, Apple, Spotify, or other system. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next year.